Well, I want to thank you, first of all, for your hospitality to welcome me into your chaos experience. I'm Pastor Denny. A lot of you around Naz know me around. I've been around about seven years, and from some of you from other churches, you might kind of wonder, who is that grandpa that's wandering around, around us? But I appreciate this invitation to be able to join you. Being at chaos does remind me of my junior high years. I was in junior high during the 19, middle 1960s when the hot cars were the Ford Mustang as well as uh, uh, Chevy Camaros. Also, we drank pop out of little 12-ounce bottle pop. There was no such thing as cans of pop at that time. And also, when I see all the college students around here, it reminds me of that season in which I got to teach in my church at home, but also I was a Bible camp counselor at Ingham Lake Lutheran Bible Camp near Esterville, Iowa, but also later on got the chance to go to Riverside Bible Camp, and, and so I was a counselor for three years there too. This year I'm going to be kind of celebrating a milestone in my life. I'm going to be celebrating 40 years of ministry of being a pastor, and throughout all of those years I've had experiences to be able to work through confirmation classes as well as uh, junior high youth groups, and uh, as one grows older, their seasons change. I remember the season when all of a sudden all the students started looking at me like their father, and uh, being a father figure in teaching is not a very good thing, And uh, uh, but it was one that you just had to go through, and I had my own kids in confirmation, but then all of a sudden the season began to change where all of a sudden I realized that many of you as junior high kids are the same age as my grandchildren. Uh, I come to you as a grandfather figure, but I love it. I love it in, the, in Jesus' vision of things, that junior high folks and folks in college and even grandpas can share Jesus all together. Just as we have this past semester, as we've been here at Chaos and we've been uh, going through the series of what does Jesus say about who he is, uh, the I am statements of Jesus, and then as we ended the year, uh, what does Jesus say about who we are, who you are as the people of God? Jesus has some amazing things. And I just thank you that I was a, be able to be a part and share with that. But as you can see on our title slide for today, for this evening, we're kicking off a brand new series here at Chaos called The Armor of God. The Armor of God that's centered on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And we're going to be living into this passage for the next uh, five or six weeks. Now, when I competed in sports, our coaches constantly reminded us that we could never, never underestimate our opponent. Well, in the Bible teaching that I have for you tonight, I'm going to size up the opponent. The Bible teaches us that we need to look at the opponent that we have, the enemy we face, and that enemy is the devil. Now, up here on the screen for today, I have the passage that I really want to uh, put our uh, minds and thought on from Ephesians chapter 6. And I know that you have better eyes than myself, but we're going to read that passage together because this passage tells us about who our enemy is. And so would you read that with me? Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, one of my favorite places to visit uh, in the United States is uh, Yellowstone National Park. And one of the things that we know, uh, remember about National Yellowstone is uh, Old Faithful. Have you ever been there? Old Faithful is uh, probably one of the great attractions there, as well as all those mud pits. Uh, it's just a strange area to be able to say that you sit there and all of a sudden this water comes gushing out of the uh, ground and then goes back in. Another thing that uh, I really enjoy, in fact, one of my favorite animals are bison. And uh, one of the things that I've been able to do is uh, when I've gone through uh, a Yellowstone is to park along the road and sit along uh, the Hayden Valley in the Yellowstone uh, in that area and be able to see the bison. And I've been able to sit there and be able to watch them for a period of time. Now, I'm one, if anybody knows Pastor Denny, one of my uh, favorite things to do is fishing. And I know that there is tremendous trout fishing in the tributaries that uh, flow into the Yellowstone River there. So during my most recent trip to Yellowstone, which was a few years ago, I decided that I wanted to check out some trout streams. So I parked my car along the road there and kind of walked uh, the path, which uh, as you go there are certain paths or you can tell that the animals or whatever has gone through uh, toward the stream. Well, that path that I went on uh, went to near a bluff in which below uh, that bluff I could see across the stream uh, some bison. And uh, so I was sitting there kind of uh, watching them for a while and then thinking, I'm going to go down to that stream and check it out. But as I was sitting there, I heard a very, very strange noise, uh, thinking that here I am out in the middle of the wilderness, and I kept hearing the sound of a bell. Now, at first I thought, that can't be. I mean, why in the world? I'm out here in the middle of the wilderness watching bison out there uh, sitting on a stream. What in the world is this? And so I kind of wondered, is the wind blowing or what is it? But as I sat there, I could hear it more distinctive. And I could hear that. And finally, as I, my attention got toward the bell, I could look off into the distance, and I noticed some fishermen that were walking along their path. And I noticed that they're the ones from which the bells were ringing. And as they were walking and they got closer to me, the bells got louder and louder. Well, my curiosity moved me. I mean, if you're a fisherman, the first thing you're going to do is go up and ask somebody, how you doing fishing. So I wanted to check out their fish. Uh, they were catch and release. They said they had a lot of good luck, but they didn't have any fish. But I also had the curiosity. I go, why in the world do you have bells on? I mean, here you're out in Yellowstone National Park. Why are you walking around with bells? Well, they told me. They said, it's because, don't you understand? We're in grizzly bear country. One of the guys said, if you have a few minutes, in fact, he said, come on down the path with me. And so I walked down the path because he said, I want to show you some evidence that the grizzlies are here. And right in the middle of that path, there was a big pile, a big pile of grizzly poop, all right? Now, it wasn't fresh. I mean, if it had been fresh, I'd have probably ran back to my car and got out of there. It wasn't fresh. But I can guarantee you this, if you're a grizzly, you poop a lot, and it's a big pile of poop. And it was there, and it was evidence that grizzlies were in the area. Now if, and listen to this close, if you journey through the living space of grizzly bears, you got to know some things about that bear. One of the things is you have to size a bear up. And as you can tell, an adult grizzly is far bigger and far stronger than any human. 
With a swipe of a grizzly paw, they can break the neck of a bison or an elk. And a grizzly's teeth and mouth, they're not just for show. They can tear apart, and they have a huge clamp power in order to uh, break and crush. Though a grizzly is very large and might look like they're cumbersome, in short distances, a grizzly bear can outrun any human being. The grizzly bear is a wild animal and obviously far more powerful than a human. Now, those fishermen were aware of that. They knew that grizzly bears were dangerous and far more powerful than any guy that's walking around with a trout fishing pole. But there were some other things they knew about that animal that gave them the courage to go right into their domain, to go right into their territory, and to do some fishing. You see, most human attacks from grizzly bears happen when the grizzly bear is startled or surprised. When that grizzly bear thinks that it's threatened, uh, and even more important, if the mother grizzly bear thinks its cubs are threatened, immediately they'll go into attack mode. That's why hunters and hikers that walk through grizzly bear territory wear bells. Now, bells uh, uh, make a lot of noise, and grizzly bears may not see well. They're like me, even though they don't have bifocals uh, like I do. Grizzly bears don't see well, but they hear very well. And with all the noise of the bell, there's just no way with this obnoxious noise out there in the wilderness that the bears are not going to know that you're around. And as long as they know that you're around, you're safe. Now, for humans, also, there's strength in numbers. Going out in grizzly bear country all by yourself is not a good idea at all. But where there's numbers, where there's community, especially a community that makes a lot of noise with bells, you're safer. Well, tonight, my job is to size up the enemy, and I'm not just talking about grizzly bears. The enemy that I want to size up before you today is the devil. The biblical truths I want to communicate to you are very simple, and just a few. You don't have to have a great rocket science mind to remember what I'm going to teach you tonight. The, the points are just simply this. First of all, I want you to know the devil is not a myth. The devil is real. And a second thing that we need to get through our hearts and our minds is this. The Bible teaches us that the devil is mightier than you and me. There is no way that we can beat the devil on our own. But a third thing we also need to hear, because if we don't hear this message too, we can live in fear. And that message is this. There is a way, the Bible teaches, that we can stand firm, that we can live boldly as we journey in that same territory that the devil dwells. Now, I'd like to tell you that the devil could be like a grizzly bear in the sense that I know very well that uh, uh, in order for me to get into grizzly bear territory, I got to go there. I, if I go out in my backyard, uh, I'm not going to run into a grizzly bear here in Cedar Falls, all right? If I go to Yellowstone or Glacier, maybe, all right? But that's not true for the devil. The devil's territory is wherever we are. How many of you have ever heard of the Lewis and Clark expedition? Raise your hand if you've heard of that. All right. Well, in the early 1800s, President Thomas Jefferson commissioned Lewis and Clark to do an expedition to the west 
for the purpose of finding a water route, as you know, from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, all the way to the Pacific Ocean. As they began that trip in St. Louis, Missouri, the first summer they traveled up the Missouri River to uh, the place we now know as Bismarck, North Dakota, and they did their first winter in a Native American encampment. The Native Americans were friendly to Americans. They were the Mandan Indians. Well, as they sat there interrelating with uh, the Indian population there in the Mandan Indian Reservation, our, our, our tribe, what they heard was stories. They heard stories about this huge, huge bear that was out to the west. And the Indians said that if you get near that bear, stay away from it. Well, the Lewis and Clark Explorer said, uh, these Indians are just scared of anything, and we've seen bears. We've shot black bears back in Kentucky with our Kentucky long rifles. There's no sweat. We're not going to be scared at all. And they thought that they were exaggerating, exaggerating until the next summer when they crossed into what we now know as Montana and ran into the first time that whites had run into and found out that great bear and found out that that great bear was not a myth. It was real. And they soon learned, don't provoke the bears. Stay away from them. Well, as Christians talk about the devil, many think around you and in a culture in which we live in is the devil is only a myth. It's not real. People just make it up. It's just kind of spooky stories. But when something that is dangerous is thought to be not real, or if it is real, it can't hurt me, disastrous things can happen. The devil in which we heard from that passage in which we read together uh, is not flesh and blood. We're uh, alerted by the Bible that that power is far greater than us. It can overwhelm us and overpower us. In fact, the devil, uh, the Bible gives the devil many names. And we're going to look at those names right up here on the screen now. Names for the devil, you might hear, are Satan. Uh, or if you read through the Bible, the adversary, Lucifer, uh, the tempter, thief. Jesus said, uh, I am the good shepherd, but the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. The devil is called in the scriptures the accuser, the liar the one that tells us lies in order to uh, try to turn us away from God, the destroyer, the prince of darkness. Well, because the Bible is not our, or because the devil is not our flesh and blood, we can't physically see the devil, but we can certainly see the signs and evidence of the destructive ways. As we walk through our world, what do we see? We see hatred. We see bigotry. We see cruelty. I mean, have you ever... Uh, I just can't imagine it on how, uh, once we're on TV, you can see how people can be so cruel to animals. Have you seen that? And just go, how can people do that to a cat, to a dog, to another animal, but also realize how cruel people can be to one another? We live in a time of violence. We don't even know whether somebody might come into a mall or uh, come into a movie theater or even come into our schools and might just shoot us up. Uh, we live in a time in which a lot of people have no hope, a time in which people are abused. All over we see evidence of that destructive power of the devil. What 
the evidence of what the devil can do to others, but also I think, and you're going to be looking at this in your small groups, how have you seen the devil, your enemy, assaulting you? Well, the Bible sizes up the enemy. And what does the Bible say about the enemy? It says again that the enemy is real. This enemy is powerful and destructive. And the Bible teaches us that the whole world is the devil's domain. And because we live in this world, we dwell in his territory, and we better be alert. We better have our eyes open because that devil would love to have his way over us. But the devil doesn't, excuse me, the Bible doesn't only end by just sizing up the devil and telling us how big the devil is. The Bible also provides us with some bells. And I just broke the bell. That's not real good. All right. Thank you. All right. The Bible provides us with some bells, all right? Reminding us that even though the enemy is out there, we can still live in hope and courage. Now, how can that be? When we are faced something that is so gr much greater than us, with so much strength, how can we have hope? How can we have courage? It's because, as we are going to discover through Ephesians chapter 6, that we don't walk alone. Jesus is with us. The call of God, as we heard in Ephesians 6, is not to stand alone, but rather to stand in the strength of the Lord. Now, the devil won the day over Adam and Eve, but when we read through the scripture, we realize that the devil did not prevail over Jesus. When Jesus entered this world, Jesus entered the domain of the devil, and the devil harassed Jesus throughout all of his life. But nevertheless, that devil could not overcome Jesus. Jesus was the one who prevailed. And in baptism and faith, we have a promise. We have a promise that through baptism and faith, we're not by ourselves anymore. We're connected to Jesus in a relationship, and Jesus will stand by our side, equipping us to stand firm against the enemy. And there's another thing, as I ring the bell, that I remember through God's word, and that is this. Jesus gives us each other. The Bible clearly says that Jesus is the cornerstone. But connected to the cornerstone, it says that through faith and through a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are made into being living stones. Living stones abiding where Jesus but also living stones that are there for each other to encourage one another. The ringing of the bell in the devil's ear is our affirmation that it's not good to be alone, that we need the Lord Jesus to walk beside us, yes, and to ask him to do that, but also we need each other. Now, I want to give a, a, a personal testimony to the devil's presence in my life. Because sometimes I think people get the idea, well, if you live old enough, maybe you outgraduate the devil or whatever that. But I can tell you very much that uh, no matter what season you are in life, our adversary, our enemy, is after us and wants to overcome us. And one of the ways in the season of my life right now that that devil is there and present and, and, uh, 
and, and uh, is after me is through accusations. Accusations and saying to me sometimes, you're not good enough. This stuff you hear about God and God's love, uh, that isn't for you. God might love other people. I mean, you're supposed to be a pastor. I mean, you're supposed to be really, really good, all right? But man, you look back in your life, you said some things that you should have never said. You've hurt people. Uh, you haven't always been uh, perfect by any means. And so that accuser is there saying, you're not good enough for God's love. Uh, that's one of the things that the devil was, works on me in order to try to push me down. There's another thing that the devil uh, is working very hard on, uh, on me right now, and that is on doubt. Doubt, sometimes wondering whether what I do even makes a difference. In fact, when I was writing this right now, uh, in the past couple days, trying to prepare for this and pray about this, there were times I was sitting there and the voice had come and said, these junior high kids aren't going to listen to you. After all, you're an old guy. you got all this gray hair. Uh, they got so many other things. Why are they ever going to listen to somebody like you? How exciting are you? You aren't going to make a difference and, uh, and everything in the midst of all of this. Yes, we have doubts or doubts on whether God's word is really true. I mean, you're standing there, you're preaching, you're teaching, but is that word really true? Are you really leading people the right way? But whenever that devil is out there shouting at me, trying to overcome me, I also know another thing through God's word, and that is I can ring the bell. Ring the bell being on the alert and being reminded that God's promises are going to win. I don't have to listen to what the world says. I certainly don't have to listen to what the liar says when the liar tries to deceive me and the liar tries to take me away from the life of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Rather, I can ring the bell and know that God is with me in that promise that I'll never leave you nor forsake you and that God's promises are true. Now tonight, I want you to join me in freaking out the Bible, all right? Or freaking out now with the Bible, the devil, all right? And what I want, how I want us to do that by ringing the bell and doing that is using something that Christians have used for over 1,700 years. It is an affirmation in which we uh, talk, in which we uh, uh, get in, in the devil, and I'd say ring the bell saying, you know what, devil? I know you're out there. I know you want your way over me, but you're not going to have it. You're not going to have it because Jesus Christ, the champion, stands by my side. And so tonight... Uh, uh, let's just freak that devil out. He's out here. He's listening. He's probably right in this room now. Let's push him out of here as you join with me in a responsive reading I have for tonight. All right. So I ask you, do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God? Do you renounce the ways of sin that draw you away from God? Do you believe in God the Father? Yes, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God? I God's only Son, our Lord. All right, now the devil's really freaked out. Shh. 
Well, let's do the last one. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Would you now pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the bell of your word. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you uh, put us on the alert. We know that the evil one is out there. We know that he wants to overcome us. But, O oh Lord, we're not afraid here tonight. We're not afraid because you have come down to us. You've come to put us on the alert, yes, but you've also come to give us courage. Courage that we might stand because Jesus has overcome and Jesus stands before us. Courage to have us move forward and realize that when we're assaulted, we're not alone because you put other living stones of uh, Christians around us to encourage us. We pray that we ring the bells loudly. We chase the devil away, O oh Lord, as you come near us to guide us, to be our strength, to give us the power through your word to stand firm. And all God's children said? Amen. But the devil said? Bomber. Bomber. All right. Thank you very much for tonight.